Hello everybody and welcome to Nursery Rewind. Today, Craig is going to fly me to the moon. With me to discuss <laughs> Bayonetta is my good friend Craig. Uh, hello, how are you this evening? <laughs> The reason Craig is laughing is because we had a five-minute conversation that started with Doris Day and ended with the death of Anton Yelchin. Um, <laughs> that's not... No, that's not why I'm laughing. That's, that's a really bad way to put why I'm laughing. It ended with the death of Anton Yelchin, and that is why Craig oh. is laughing. Yeah, no, no, no. He wasn't laughing because of that. He was laughing because we switched gears immediately into podcast mode. This episode, uh, dear listener, is mildly cursed because due to a technical difficulty, we had to re-record this. We got about halfway through. Uh, what happened was Craig grew a tumor that gained sentience mm -hmm. and then went out on a killing rampage, so he had to put it down. It was like that episode um, of The X-Files with the circus guy that had the, the guy that went out and muddled at night. Guy, yeah. yeah, Vincent Schiavelli, yeah. his name is. He's a weird-looking dude, but cool. Um, I don't know. He was also in to tie this back to things we don't shut up about. <laughs> to, the world is not enough. Oh, really? He was the assassin uh, doctor that was sent by Rupert <gasps> Murdoch to. Wow. Not uh, Pierce Brosnan. I need help. Please send help. Jesus. A anyway. Uh, yes, so um, there might be some things we kind of gloss over that we expounded on earlier. Uh, do forgive us. It's just, ah, that's the way things happen. So, anyway, to get back to it. Bayonetta was a game that was released by Platinum Games. It was published by Sega and then later on republished by Nintendo. The director was Hideki Kamiya. The artist was Mari Shimazaki. And the wonderful composer is listed as List of Composers. <laughs> so... Uh, it seems they've done a lot of work in different things. Uh, the game was released on the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 at first, and then it got a re-release on Wii U, Windows, Switch, PlayStation 4, Xbox, everything. Um, and that was in initially released in October of 2009. I made a joke about my birthday, but I will skip that this time because Craig will eventually kill himself if I keep saying the same jokes over and over again. Um, first... Craig, let's start with your history of Bayonetta. Okay, if I don't really have a history. All right, okay, that's cool. I have a history that was uh, long and storied in the first episode. We're going to truncate it here to... Yeah, I liked Bayonetta. Um, I played it when it first came out. All right. Well, Dave, well, uh, uh, what do you think of the main character? Or what do you want to think about the intro? Oh, well, I really like the intro. What? Uh, Craig, thank you for asking. Sorry, I, I figured I, I would speed this up really quick. That's um, that's an acceleration. I just... Can we can we make... And I don't want to... I want, don't want to draw it out. <laughs> but a nod to the genre of character action. Because... Yes, yeah, I, I know. I was going to stop. Okay, thanks. Stupid joke. Okay, right. Just, so, just to uh, check. <laughs> Craig, um, you do not have a lot of experience in the character action no. genre. With... Like, near being the only thing we've done for the show that even comes close. Yeah. Um, instead of going over your history with the genre that you don't really have any history in, um, let's ask what you think of the genre. Like, you've played Bayonetta, uh -huh. and you've played Nier. Yep. Um, is this a genre that, like, you are interested in dipping your 
toe into. And yeah, go ahead and talk about you know okay. what you've actually experienced so far. So, um, no. All right. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. Thank I'm kidding. you for showing up, Craig. Um, right, so, um, and I'll need to not say, as we spoke about earlier, because no one else knows that. Um, I know, we're doing that more for us know, than we are yeah, for the audience. Yeah. So, character action as a genre thing, I googled, you know, like, a list of character action games because I tried to try and understand what it actually means because it's not like an action RPG, it's not an RPG, it's not a pure action game, it's character action. And as far as I can tell, um, for the most part, character action is over-the-top combos and glitz and glamour and a really artistic flair, you know, like smooth 20 combo animations where someone punches and kicks and shoots and kicks up into the air. It's all very, like, mobs of people. And the thing I found when I googled it was it's a very murky grey area. So things like Bloodborne come up if you search for character action games. And I don't think that that doesn't fit the bill. Yeah, It doesn't fit the bill of what I think a character action game is. Absolutely um, not. Because it's that's very solidly an RPG built on levelling up and it's not mobs of beautiful glory. It's crying your way through a boss. Um, God of War was another one that was mentioned in a list on Listverse or whatever. And again, I don't think that fits the bill of character action because to, no. to me, character action is is it's a more linear, fluid combat experience. God of War has an, an open world element, like a big open world element and levelling up and a bit of story and stuff. So character action... Puzzles. Yeah, puzzles. So character action to me is the popcorn of action games. It's, I'm just mashing buttons and beautiful things are happening on screen with flamboyant Ooh. characters. And I know mashing is not a thing, but it is a thing. Um, flamboyant characters and like really good art styles and comedy. Like character action to me is it. A, th- a very specific thing that seems to hone in on Devil May Cry and Bayonetta and Metal Gear Revising Revengeance and that yeah. kind of thing. Um, Let me interject mm-hmm. for just a quick moment. So, I'll agree with you 100% like everything you mentioned is character action. Yeah. Uh, not being character action. Uh, this has had an update to its terminology okay. of recent years. And is now being called a stylish action game. Okay. Oh, that makes much or, more sense. Yeah, especially since you're graded on every combat encounter. That tends to make a little more sense. But then again, I mean, you know, you could call like El Shaddai a stylish action game. I, I mean, it, it's one of those things where it's murky. I mean, we should just call them like platinum games. Yeah. And just leave it at that. It, it's an odd one because it, it reminded me of something like... Of all the games to remind me of, it reminded me of like Blur, because you're graded on a, a race and how stylishly you slid round a corner, and the whole game is based on the output. It's based on the end result of the buttons that you press to go. You nailed that, and that looks beautiful. It's it's yeah, you know, it's like a free flow I mean, dance it- game, like a rhythm game. It's like pretty much. You know, I mean, one of the things that uh, all character action, stylish, whatever games have that I've played 
that they all have in common is a you're juggling people a lot. Like you know, you kick someone up in the air, you jump up, you beat them a few times, you know that kind of thing. Number two, it the combat system doesn't punish you, but it actively discourages using the same moves over and over again by having them not add to your meter. Yeah, right. So it, it's forced diversity. Like I think those two are like some of the big things. Yeah. About stylish action. Yeah. And I, I, so. you definitely, the closest tie-in that I can think that I loved was Near Automata. And it that doesn't have that. It's nowhere near as deep to no. include that. And I, lo- I love that game. Like, I love that game. Um, but you do not love Bayonetta. Um, um, now, other than being sexist... Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a reason why you don't? Um, um, it's, it's, well, it's a, uh, it's a def- let's take it from the top. Yep, cool. Okay, uh, so so a couple of, of cool things about Bayonetta. Uh, number one, it took them a year to design Bayonetta. I wouldn't have thought that, but it took a year to design the character, which is bonkers. Um, how, how do we feel about the actual character of Bayonetta? Um, it's like... Absolutely fine, like totally hyper confident, um, willing to dress up as a nun and shoot angels in the face. Woman is amazing, you know. Like it's it's not overtly sexual or anything like that. It's just a really strong female character. Okay, you haven't played much into you haven't played like to the halfway. It is overtly sexual. All right, okay. It is grinding hips on a rocking horse while torturing some. It is. Uh, very overtly sexual. Okay, so, in a good way. I want to talk yeah, about that. Because a couple of I noticed a couple of things when I played it. Like one of the moves that was pulled off in some sort of either cutscene or mid combat cutscene was a thigh wrapping um, round the, uh-huh. the enemy face type thing. And I kind of just thought, ah, oh, that's just the usual Japanese type. <laughs> this, this is a yakuza moment, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, if it goes completely that way, I, I like I've got no problem with it. Uh, it goes hard in the sexy but BDSM-y yeah uh, approach. I'll completely cut because I just need to ask. But the look of the face of Bayonetta, is she, has she got a weird face? Like um, it doesn't fit the body, or is not the right size, or. Oh. Really? Yeah, like I'm not, I, I, I'm not gelling with the hmm. look. That's a fair enough point. I mean, sometimes you just don't. I like personally. I thought it. I thought her character design is fantastic. Yeah, I love the character design at Bayonetta. I think the face works great. It has like this weird, sexy British nanny. Sort yeah, of thing going yeah, on. yeah. That's the, that's the exact ju- juxtaposition I am seeing on screen. Is it's like sexy Mary Poppins. Uh-huh. Which I'm I I didn't know I was down for, but yeah, sure. I mean, sexy Mary Poppins it up. Mary, Mary Poppins was always sexy. No, Julie Andrews was never sexy. You need to go stop it. What? Just just mm 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 mm. There are some ladies that should never ever ever be sexualized, let alone topless. Maggie Smith is one of them. No, Betty White is one of them. You, Julie Andrews was one of them. You haven't seen Maggie Smith's Playboy Centerfold. You, oh, it's limited edition. <laughs> I'm waiting for it. Like, like I have it on back order. Um, yeah, uh, the, the, yeah, no, uh, I'll, I'll, like a 
sexy Mary Poppins in a metaphorical way. Please don't sex up Julie Andrews. I saw her topless once, Craig, in a movie, and something in my brain broke. Okay. Like, it's like, no, shouldn't have seen that. And, and, anyway. Okay, so, um, you have a problem down even to the base character design. It's not a problem. It's not a problem. It was just a... It, I mean, it's not visually appealing to yeah, you. Yeah, oh yeah, it's not. It just Okay. Yeah. Whereas I think, uh... I think her character design like rocketed her like straight up to okay she's one of the icons and then she makes it in the smash and it's like well you're you're set now that's like that's like hall of fame yeah, material yeah. um she rocketed up really quick in terms of visible uh instantaneously recognizable video game characters um yeah okay so that that that's interesting i i never met anybody that had a i didn't have a non um thematic Let's say uh-huh. problem with Bayonetta. I never had anybody go. I just don't like the way she's designed, which is fair. I got no problems with it. Um. Okay. So then, hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> Sorry, I, I I had a I had a hmm hmm moment, and I shouldn't have. Um. A couple of things I'd like to mention about like what makes this special to me, and I don't mean like in a, I have a bayonet, a pillow, and I cuddle it every night and tell my wife to get out of bed kind of way. Oh, no. I meant in the, oh, hey, this is really cool. Um, so as you know, I'm a man of uh, history. Yes. And I like history. And the people behind Bayonetta really did some cool research, and I don't know how far you got into it, but all of the character designs, especially the bosses, are angels, right? Mm-hmm. Like you are fighting against the forces of the angels. Um, all of those character designs are very historically um, designed. Like a lot of the way the let's say the Bible or the Apocrypha or all those things describe angels looking is where they got a lot of these okay. designs from. Which is very cool. Uh, all of the angel bosses at least also speak in something called Enochian. Do you have any idea what that is? Nope. Not a clue. Okay. So, in, oh, I don't know, somewhere in the late 16th century, right? I think it's 16th, maybe it's 17th century. Some dude named John D. decided he was going to eat a bunch of mushrooms and come up with the language that the angels spoke. And he did. And it was like, uh, it got called, uh, like, in the Book of Enoch... They used Enochian language, and that's the language that the angels speak in this game. And it's like, wow, you guys did some flipping research. This is amazing. So basically, it would be like if 400 years from now, or, yeah, okay, um, some game decided to use Klingon as a language for its enemies, and you're like, you guys really, really sold that. <laughs> this is really cool. Um, in, in a geeky note... <clears throat> John D. came up with the Enochian language, which is 100% fake because, duh. Uh, and then had the help of a man named Edward Kelly. Does that name ring a bell to you? Not at all. Okay. Edward Kelly ties in as one of the villains of Neo. Oh, really? Yes. So you will meet Mr. Edward Kelly in, when you start playing Neo again. Oh. So that, that a fun little yeah. trivia point that you will forget in absolutely twelve seconds. Um, um, so yeah, like like that 
Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say Edward Kelston. Yeah, uh, Kelsey Grammer. Ah, uh, Kelsey Grammer. Yep. Okay, okay. Uh, so, so much like when we did a long time ago, remember when we did like Darksiders, I knew, oh, you're the villain because I know biblical lore. So I know that. Uh, there was a lot of that here of like, oh, I know that design. I've, I've read about that design. That is incredibly cool. Um, I'm a big fan of pretty much every enemy design in this game. It's very cool, very weird. And not in the anime tentacles and teeth. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah. That kind of way. It's very odd look. Like, even the base angels. It's like, who designs an angel that looks like that? So, uh, just immediately, I was like, oh, this is this is amazing. And then Joe Pesci shows up. And you're <laughs> like, well, maybe it's not completely amazing. Um, I, I don't agree with him pissing on the grave of Eggman. I don't think that's quite fair. so bizarre, but so funny. Like, I found it really entertaining in a weird way. And the entire time they're having the invisible battle, obviously, and he's just like jumping about and random explosions happening. It was yelling, "Oh shit! Oh shit! Uh-huh. Oh shit!" It was yeah. It was very, very entertaining. I'm a big fan of Rodan as well. Uh, there's a historical reason why it's called Rodan, but we're not getting into it because this is not the nerd. Ca- oh wait, it is kind of the nerd podcast, but not that kind of nerd podcast. Um, a big fan of the guns. Guns, more guns. Oh, I love, I love that scene. That's a great scene. And then he kicks the casket up. It is so dumb. It is so yeah, dumb. Yeah. And so much fun. So, uh, last ep- last time we recorded this, not last episode, we were talking about the, the dichotomy between this being uh, female sexuality bonkers and uh, Vanquish being male bravado bonkers. Which do you prefer? Out of curiosity, like gameplay aside. With those two themes. Oh, I don't know. Like, I've never... It, it's not something that I would... I don't, I don't think I would... I f- I'm not trying to stay on the fence, but I don't think I would, like, go for one over the other. If you just said that okay. that was the... That was the defining feature of whatever. Well, I, I guess for me, um, this is more special because it's not done very much at all. Yeah. Whereas you, you see, like, I mean, you could look at Gears of War and say, hey, that's a game about male bravado. Or, you know, the God of War is a game about male bravado. I, like, very rarely do you see feminine sexuality used as, like, no, this is our theme. This is what we're going for. And and then, you know, you have giant feet and heels made out of hair attacking people. It's very strange. Um. So, okay, then off the themes of Bayonetta, let's talk about the gameplay. I'm kind of um, interested as to why it didn't click, because this has a lot of things I thought would have clicked. Mm-hmm. Such as, like, um, if you time your dodge perfectly, it slows down time. Like, yeah, you're a big yeah. fan of timing dodges. Yeah. So what, what about it- this didn't click? I think it was just, like, the entire time I was playing it, I was literally just going, ah, click, punch, click, punch. I got a couple of combos over, like, a thousand combos or whatever, or a thousand points of comboing and stuff. But I was just like, it feels less... I could dodge a hundred... I don't want to start doing the Bloodborne thing, but I could dodge a hundred times in Bayonetta, and it means as much as a one single good dodge in Bloodborne. 
Like, you dodge well in Bloodborne and it can turn the game around. Whereas if you dodge it, you're just, like, dodging and hitting. Dodging and hitting. It just felt... Not... Okay, so so each each uh, each dodge is not given the weight yeah, of consequence that it but, is in Bloodborne. Uh, yeah, but don't don't give me that much credit. It's not as deep as that. It's just a general ah. Uh, it was just it just felt shallower, but not in a bad way. Like, well, um, I would now like having having played through a lot of these kind of games. They're you're right. They're not shallower. They feel less consequential, for sure, than something like a Souls boss, let us say. Um, but they're not. I, I think they require as much skill and technique as a Soulsborne game does. Just a very different style of it. Like, um, for example, uh, in every Devil May Cry game, there is a, a mode called Dante Must Die. And all the enemies are amped straight up to where one hit from even the smallest mook will kill you. Okay. And I've seen people run, like, speedrun that mode, and it is a work of art. It is it is beautiful. So, I mean, there is there also that consequential side, but I understand what you mean. It, it's not um, focus on combat encounter. It's more focus on waves. Yeah. Like, you're, you're dealing with mooks all the time. That's fair enough. Uh, out of curiosity, how far did you get into it? Um, I did the first mission at a graveyard. I did... A driving mission where I drove. Yep. Um, Joe Pesci's car. Joe Pesci's car. Joe Pesci's car then got smashed in the bonnet, and I did some more, mm-hmm. um, some more punching and kicking. Um, I think I was chasing something that flew off the side of a cliff. I don't know exactly what, but something bolted off the it, side of a cliff. It's like a giant head with yeah. that's upside down with wings and a tail. Yeah, 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 yeah. Weird thing. And I got to that point, and then I was just like, nah, "I've done a graveyard. I've done this, and now I've done this, and I'm kind of just." And it's not. It's not a commentary on the games you play, or or the games you pick, because I'm saying I said the same with Super Stardust. I was like, ah, I wasn't feeling it. This was much better, but I kind of just got it. I was just like, ah. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. Oh. Okay, so so uh, no pressure because if it doesn't click, it doesn't click. You know, I mean, that's part of the games. I would say this is the one I would give you, like this um, genre is one I would give you the side eye and say, I don't think you quite get it yet. Yeah. Because the openings of these games are brain dead. Yeah. Like, it's really not until it starts to ramp up that what's special about it shines. Kind of like uh, if you're going through Bloodborne, right? And all you do is fight, um, let's say, uh, the the werewolf guys that like have the rake. And they're just, yeah, ah, yeah, bam, yeah, bam, yeah. bam, bam, bam. Like, like, if you were just to encounter those for an hour and then say, nah, Bloodborne really isn't anything special. Okay. You could get, no, 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 no. You haven't seen the bosses. You haven't seen later encounters. You uh, This would be the only one I would give you the old side eye and go, I don't quite think you get it yet. Not that I'm going to force you by picking like Devil May Cry or anything. That would be damaging to our friendship (laughs) almost, right? That would be like, no, I don't believe what you say is true. Play this game. So, no, it's fine. Uh, It's cool and all. I, mm, Dave, absolutely. I don't fine. think that's an issue because I keep trying to make you play point-and-click adventures and also Disco Elysium. So, like, which is a point-and-click adventure? Like, like, there's no, 
there's no delineation there. Um, like, it is a point-and-click adventure game. More mechanical, but it is. Yeah, it's like, with that, dialogue is the thing rather than object. But, yeah, I, I, I take your point. And, and no, I mean, well, like, there's the difference, right? Like, if, if we're talking about point-and-click adventure games, each one you've... I don't want to say insisted, but each one you've run by me of like, yeah. hey, can, can we do this, has always had a point to it. Uh, uh, Monkey Island has been, uh, it's really funny. You know, you should see the comedy uh-huh. of it. Um, the Tentacle was, it's kind of like a Warner Brothers cartoon. Disco Elysium is, dude, check out this writing. You know, there's always been a, whereas I could say, dude, Bayonetta 2, it's better. Eh? <laughs> You, you know, I mean, uh, like Devil yeah, May Cry, yeah. it, it's bonker. You know, I there, it's kind of all a part of the same. I mean, other than I'm surprised that be liking Near, you didn't with this. Um, this is not about Near, but I'm very curious. I, we did that episode how long ago, Craig? Like oh, like a billion years. Yeah, it was like 72 years at least. Doris Day was still alive when we did that episode. Um, nothing I can see in Near was done better than here. Was it the world design and the story and, and that? Yeah, that I think... So hard with Nair? Like, okay. It was definitely story. Like, it just felt from the off that Nier... Like, I, I loved the story of Nier. And this wasn't matching that. Not only that... that's Okay, that's fair. Um, the Like, Nier had this... And in fact, I don't even need to say it's a defeat. It was a big open world thing. It was a thing you could run about and explore. This fell back, in, like, and Bayonetta fell back into linear level territory. And that's the biggest thing of any game, anywhere, of any genre. If it's linear point A to point B levels of doing anything, whether it's pointing and clicking or shooting or kicking, it's the bit that. Yeah, I mean, even Final Fantasy X yeah. didn't like because of how linear it's just, it was. It's yeah. just, I, I just don't like a linear thing. Yeah, that, that's fair. This very much falls into levels yeah. and bosses. Yeah. And levels and bosses. And here's the story cutscene in between. Now, I will never say the story of Bayonetta equals that of Nier Automata. Which, by the way, every time we mention Nier, we are talking about Nier Automata, yes. not Nier Replicant or Gestalt. Um yeah, yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent agree. I like the I like the world of Bayonetta, but I don't take it with the same. And this is gonna sound goofy, the same seriousness you take a Near Automata story, because Near Automata is doing something subversive almost, right? Like like when I think of Near Aut- Automata, and I keep saying uh, Automatoes in my head, I need to stop that. Um, I think of that scene where you come into that pit with all those robots, like, oh, reenacting sexual yeah, yeah. positions, and there's something there that's really special, right? Uh-huh. Like, like Bayonetta does nothing with that other than pretty much say, nah, sexy, confident women, pretty cool. <laughs> which, which I can get behind 100%, but it doesn't have that same gravitas that Nier does. So that makes 100% sense to me. You don't have the greatest track record with Platinum games either. No. Like, it seems huh. like the the uh, Platinum variety of action is not your jam. Even, even all the way back to what? Like, Beautiful Joe? Yeah. You weren't a fan of? was not a fan of Beautiful Joe. It's not been... It's not been the greatest journey. And, and it feels weird because they've got a thing, obviously, 
they've got a thing. They're kind of like the treasure of today. Yeah. They have a, a house style. Yeah, but like Nier Automata was, was beautiful. Bayonetta's never ever got into it. I haven't really played, like, they did Star Fox Zero as well, and that was a pile of garbage. Um, yeah, they did. And the one that I mentioned before, maybe last week or took a couple of weeks ago, um, Transformers Devastation, which apparently is a good game. I'm like, how is this? No. How is this a good no. game? It's just not. It's not a good. Oh, I agree, hundred percent. It's not a good game. The only other one is Vanquish, and like. That was a good game. But that that played around in not melee combat, but in funny shooty shooty times. Yeah, exactly. So like Vanquish and Near Automata, and then it's back to that extremes. Like Vanquish is extreme shooting action. I love it. Near is extreme open world storytelling weirdness. Great. Bayonetta is extreme linear extreme um, stylish action yeah. I guess would be the, and and that's the bit like the, way I put it. the stylish action bit of it is the bit I'm just like ah it looks great but I, I'm not I'm not basing myself enjoying it off that that's fair I mean um, like like this is probably um, I would say this is probably the most well respected game that hasn't clicked with you mm-hmm. that we've done so far like, this has been voted many times as one of the greatest video games of all okay. time, which I don't know if I agree with, but, you know. It, and so, I, I mean, I don't think it's quality. It can't be quality because it's not janky like yeah, Transformers yeah. Devastation. It's got to just be this style of game is not for you, yeah. which is, again, perfectly fair um, in in the interest of, of doing what like what makes Bayonetta special. Um, what Brand, Bayonetta brought to the table in terms of uh, game mechanics that made it special was uh, the witch time thing, where you slow down time if you dodge correctly. Uh, the ability to, after you punch, to hold the button to shoot the guns you're holding <gasps> yeah, afterwards. Yeah, I like that. To I like that. extend the combo. And, and the, the feet guns, Craig. Feet, feet guns. guns. Yeah. Um, it did that. And while I think that was important at the time, like, like that did... Take it one step further than Devil May Cry. Because Devil May Cry is generally all about switching between weapons to maintain a combo. And each weapon has a different moveset. So you switch from one to the other. And you keep going that way. This was all about now keep your combo going at all costs with this weapon. Here's some tools to help. Okay. Okay. Devil May Cry then came along again uh, in 5 and was like, now we're going to give you a character that doesn't attack at all. And that kind of shook things up a bit for character action games. Um, it's a very cool idea. The idea is, uh, do you remember like the witch doctor in Diablo? It's kind of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you have three little pet friends. You yourself don't do anything, but you can just like point and if you hit the X button, that causes the crow to come in and attack. And this one causes the rock monster to attack. And this one, call- it's very indirect combat. It's very cool what it did. And I haven't played Bayonetta 2 yet, so I don't know what that does. But this has kind of been a back and forth of upping the ante between Platinum and Capcom. I can't say there's arguably any other players in that, I'm guessing, friendly rivalry. I don't see them taking a shit (laughs) on each other, so I I don't know. But um, 
even then, like as much as I like this genre, it's not something I can continue to play for a long time because it does get old. Like once I played Devil May Cry Five when it was new, that's it. I'm good for like a year on character action games. So uh, even though it's something I like, I'm not like super enthusiastic. Yeah. And by the way, Craig, secret between you and me, don't tell the listener. I'm flipping terrible at these games. <laughs> I, I am, by like sixth chapter in, it's like I'm getting stone medals. I'm not even getting bronze anymore. <laughs> I can like finish it, but I am not stylish. I am not flipping all over the place. I am just, oh God, please let me beat the boss. Please let me beat the boss. I, I'm, I'm not good at these games. I appreciate them to no end, but yeah, I, I'm not good at them. Um, Boy. So, I've been talking for a while, uh-huh. Craig. Say something. Um... Uh, yeah, this was something. <laughs> boy, boy, don't don't uh, don't jump straight in. Can we talk about "Fly Me to the Moon"? As in the song. As in the song. Um, very rarely do I find a remix of an older song better than the older song. I think this is the definitive edition of this song. I don't know who sung it. Uh, I don't have that in front of me. I think this song is an incredible, cool thematic pick for this. It's almost like the Stand By Me with yeah, Final Fantasy XV yeah. in terms of, this fits perfect! It was, it was good. Like, I... The, in fact, Final Fantasy XV, that song is, is a perfect way to, to explain it. It just... It fit everything so well. And never have I been... And not, and not in a bad way... Not not in a like a seriously bad way, but I went in that opening scene, music playing, a few wee kicks and punches because you're falling off a cliff at one point and stuff like that. Um on, on box on a box or whatever the hell you were standing on. Um A clock tower. A clock tower, yeah, that's it. And then you got you get to the graveyard and I, I just thought, this is amazing. It looks incredible, it sounds incredible, it's super stylish it's like up there with um cinematic you know like john wick style where everyone's wearing super cool suits and the cars are great and the music's great and the everything's great it this is that game it just when it came to the clinch it just didn't do it for me game wise yeah no i meant like like if anything the best thing that Bayonetta has as a lasting legacy, because at some point this gameplay will be old. It will be old, it'll be janky, it just won't work. But what it will always have for me, and what makes it super notable, is this is so much imagination Mm -hmm. at work. Like, there was nothing like that. There kind of still isn't anything like Bayonetta. Because even Devil May Cry is not this bonkers with stuff. I meant, like, you know, maybe Wonderful 101 is, but that's also Platinum. Mm-hmm. Like, their strongest suit seems to be just these amazingly imaginative setups and scenarios and just doing things like fighting somebody on while, uh, on the back of a rocket while you're heading towards this space monster. It's like, this is ridiculous. And then they made Star Fox Zero. And, and you went, what happened? I know. Happened. <laughs> um, yeah. So 
for us, just just for me and you personally. So this is kind of a soft, unless it's something spectacular, I'm not down with Platinum Games. Yeah, but like, oddly, if they brought out something else, I would probably be more inclined to try it out based on the fact that it's them, if that makes sense. Just because... So they're notable to you, but not must-play. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So um, we're going to wrap this up because we have been going long. Uh, Final thoughts are kind of known by this point, would you say, Craig? Yeah, I I think so. Like... I like I appreciate the stylistic nature of it. It's it's good enough and stuff. It, just it, this is a complete personal thing. It's not for me, but it is actually pretty cool. And you know, get, like actually, do you know what? If you're remotely tempted, I would reiterate that Vanquish is worth playing. So just buy the Vanquish Bayonet a double pack. Just just buy it for Vanquish and play it. Yeah, one is iffy, one is for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, and give Bayonet a try and see if you like it. If not... At least watch the opening cutscene. Yeah. Um, myself, uh, I like this game. I'll continue to like this game no matter what you say, Craig, you big meanie head. And that's that. Like, I think Bayonet is special and it deserves its spot in the pantheon of instantly recognizable video game characters. Also, punching Mario in the face with sexy British nanny lady will always make me smile. Okay, so next up for Retro Rewind, we have V to the power of six. Um, I'm not saying them all. And um, I'm curious to see what you think, Craig, because this is your pick. Mm-hmm. If you have any thoughts on uh, Bayonetta or VB, 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 VB. Uh, then you can do so on our website where we have a place you can contact us. You can send in some game suggestions. Whatever floats your boat, you know? Um, other than that, uh, thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you next time on BBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBBB